0: Hello, hello! Welcome back to Loki's Library. I am your librarian, Katrina. If you are new here, welcome. Hi, nice to meet you. This is where I'm reading through the enormous library of books you see behind me, and then I give you a quick synopsis and tell you what I think about what I read. So if you like books, just aren't sure what to read next, hit that subscribe button, like and share my videos. Let me know what you think in the comments. Now, this week's book has been sitting on my shelf for a while, and For some reason, I still am not sure what was going through my mind. I decided May 2022 was a good month to be depressed. So this week's book and next week's book are a bit of downers. Historically important. We need to know about the bad things in history, because if we don't know about the bad things in history, we repeat them. But this week's book, anyways, exposing, I have got to get my new curtain up. I have new curtains. are supposed to get rid of those little lines we're going to see how that goes exposing the real Shea Guevara and the useful idiots who idolize him by Umberto Fontova I always knew Shay was a bastard but this book really brings to light some of the things he did so the accompanying cocktail and hmm, there are cocktails that are dedicated to Shay, but I will be in hell before I ever mix a drink that was designed to celebrate this man. No. So instead, after a minuscule amount of digging, I found Truth and Clarity. Much better option for this. Which is one and a half ounces of white vermouth, a half ounce of Centauri Toki whiskey, uh, three ounces of club soda, and three healthy dashes of either bitter lemon vinegar or apple cider vinegar. I went with apple cider, so I couldn't find bitter lemon. So let's do this. I knew this book would be a rough one when the acknowledgment section thanks Mrs. Barbara Rangel-Rojas for dredging up her childhood memories of watching her grandfather be murdered live on television. Yep. Yeah, I read the acknowledgments because, you know, I figure maybe someday I might want to know more about it and the people they acknowledge might be able to help me on that way. But whew, that was a rough one. I started crying on the acknowledgments page. That's a first. I don't think I've ever cried that early in a book before. But what can I say? That is the ilk that the idiots have been worshipping for 50 years. Not a fighter, not a brave revolutionary leader, a common murderer. It's like worshipping Ted Bundy. Seriously, people, stop. Think a little bit. I knew that I actually did know that about him uh, I did not know the extent of his crimes but I knew Shay was not the hero the media wanted you all to believe he was I mean I know it from common sense anybody who is helping to run a country that so many are trying to flee from is not the good guy all right people don't try to run away from paradise all right they just they just they don't so, but I knew it from common sense. I knew it from distrust of the media because they've so earned our trust these last few years. And I knew it from talking to Cuban American. I, I actually interact with people. I don't just look down on them because they don't have my level of education, which means Jack is shit. So I'm learning far more reading this than I ever learned in college. Yeah, you can totally educate yourselves guys. And you don't have to buy the books. There are these things called libraries. I buy them because I have an unhealthy addiction not healthy. My bank account is really really mad at me over this. But you can get them for free at the library. I'll bet you you could probably find this at a library. Read it for free. Find out for yourselves. Hello cat. Soapbox. Let me hop off of that. I tend to listen to the lived experiences of those who are there when I get the chance because from a research perspective nothing beats first-hound accounts of someone who was there. It's just that that's the best thing you can ever find. I don't want to waste the centauri whiskey if you've never had centauri whiskey it is amazing highly recommend it's a blended japanese whiskey it's amazing not sponsored just a fan you want back out little dude he'll be back they all come back so some basics ernesto che guevara was born june 14th 1928 in rosario santa fe argentina yes yes the famed cuban rebel was not even cuban and he was not even poor. He, he was not a proletariat who grew up very bourgeoisie from an upper-class family. And his parents were Ernesto Guevara Lynch and Celia de la Serna Iosa. He was descended from Spanish landowners and Irish ancestry. And those are the basic facts. Anybody can look that up. That shit is actually on Wikipedia right about there is where I would stop listening to Wikipedia because that's all edited by people who have the time to sit around and edit Wikipedia, which is not the people who have jobs and actually go out and work and, you know, research stuff. Like, really, really actually write the books on it. This book tells a much better story and all its gut-wrenching, heartbreaking horror. Shea got his nickname because Shay is the Argentinian version of, like, Chico or Dude, and he's, he's literally been called Dude his entire life, you know, in, Argentinian, Shea was never a doctor despite the left touting him as a medical doctor and no one has ever found any record of him ever attending a medical school or graduating medical school. Right, healthy dashes. I gotta be careful here because I don't want a full dose here so give me a minute here. Basically he was a rich bourgeoisie bum who was bumming around Latin America when he met up with Castro and his sad little band of rebels. And Castro wanted to take Cuba back from Batista and create a worker's paradise. Because that's what all communists want, is a worker's paradise. As long as other people are doing the work. You know, it's not cool for them to be the ones doing the work. They want other people to do the work so that they can live off the backs of the workers. That is what happens in every communist regime. Everywhere. And this is all despite the fact that Cuba was already a worker's paradise. Seriously, the Cuban peso was on parity with the U.S. dollar in 1956 when his rebellion or when he invaded. Uh, one-on-one, even exchange rates—you could exchange a U.S. dollar for a Cuban peso. Pretty solid. It was backed by gold. Our dollar was also backed by gold, hence the parity. Union wages were second only to the United States; they earned more than unions in Europe did. Uh, people were fighting tooth and nail to immigrate to Cuba. They had a flood of people wanting to move to Cuba and sl- slice out their own piece of that dream. All right, It was a very wealthy nation. Cuba was very much a first world nation prior to Castro and Guevara taking over. I mean, shit, I want to immigrate to 1950s Cuba. Okay, that They had no racism. Women were already at equal pay and equal rights. They had free elections. Now, I don't know what happened with Fulgencio Batista. Uh, He won election in his own right in the 1940s. His fall from grace didn't happen until he strong-armed an election in 1952 and set himself up as a dictator. So there's something there, right? Because good guys don't set themselves up as dictators. Sorry, this is a stirred cocktail. So let me stir this really quick. I feel like I did too much vinegar. But, whether he was a dictator or not, he was the first person of color to sit in Cuba's presidential palace, a feat that has yet to be repeated since the rise of Castro and the racism that is now endemic in Cuba, and one that wouldn't occur in America for another 70 years. So Cuba was arguably ahead of the curve when it came to all of life's little problems back in the 50s. So Cuba, despite what leftists would have you believe, was not suffering under American-style capitalism. Now Castro actually made several unsuccessful attempts to invade Cuba, spending some time in jail in Cuba before being released in 1955 to continue his revolutionary activities. Here I feel is a reasonable point to express the paradox of tolerance, which states that if a society is tolerant without limit, its ability to be tolerant is eventually seized or destroyed by the intolerant. Does that even need comment? I mean, we, we literally see this happening, right? That's that's what was going on with Twitter that caused Elon Musk to step in and say, nope, you guys are a bunch of intolerant. I'm going to buy this and turn this into a free speech area. Not bad. You can smell the vinegar, but that's pretty tasty. That would be cool and refreshing on a hot summer day. That's all I'm going to say. Not a hot summer day yet, but it's not bad. I think the reason Batista did it is despite being a dictator at large, he wanted to be seen historically as a good guy. And good guys don't just kill people over a difference of opinion <clears throat> I feel like a lot of people need to know that not enough people know that these days you don't just kill somebody because you disagree with them except for maybe you know Castro and Guevara they they should definitely have died way before they got to where they did anyways so he tolerated Castro's activities and uh, this historically has not ended well anywhere. In an ironic twist, the grossly intolerant left has firmly grasped the paradox of tolerance, using it to bludgeon those who do express a difference of opinion um, as being intolerant of their leftist ideologies. <laughs> irony. That's irony. So Castro, released from a gener- in a general amnesty in 1955, goes to Mexico and there recruits young Dude Guevara. My husband says don't call him that. He's not a fan of Guevara, but I think he dislikes that... I mean, our cat that was in here, I call him Little Dude, and now Dude Guevara. I just think it's funny that the leftists are pulled in by the cool factor of someone who is basically an Argentinian frat bro. Interestingly, Guevara was intimidated by Castro, like extremely so. He was undoubtedly pulled in by Castro's vision of Cuba under Castro's control, but Guevara, while undoubtedly a psychopath himself recognized an even bigger fish in Castro and remain scared of Castro his whole life. So Castro and his forces, including Guevara, returned to Cuba in, like, 1956, and they begin waging a guerrilla war. Oh, God. Guevara's much-vaunted skills as a guerrilla warrior were... Pr- I probably shouldn't say this. I shouldn't say this. The reason I shouldn't say this is because I strongly suspect that should the U.S. ever balkanize, the left will be like, let's go get Shays' manual and for his mad skills. Um... Let them okay just between you and me let them uh, because seriously the man was a moron all right he was nothing more than a brute murderer all right he certainly did not have any level of survival skills his own patrols got lost in the woods him included miles from camp I mean during his final campaign in Bolivia he had two patrols wandering around within a scant mile of each other actually shooting at each other because each thought the other was the Bolivian military because of his mad skills so just let them, all right, just let them. In fact, buy your leftist friend one of his books. Be like, here, go learn how to be a gorilla from Che Guevara because then I'll know how to find you when the shooting happens. Some harsh truths were provided in this book, all from primary source testimony. Now, Guevara was a monster. He was not a member of the proletariat. And like all communists everywhere, he only believed because he was one of the ones in power. Communism, rapidly loses its appeal when you're at the bottom tier so Guevara when Castro had marched into and claimed Havana for the revolution immediately appropriated the grandest house for himself testimony provided by journalist Antonio Llano Montes who was arrested shortly after posting that article because he dared to print the truth shocking Guevara didn't want the world knowing that he was a hypocrite This book highlights in excruciating detail, all the lies told by the left about their hero, dude, and every lie is counterbalanced with truth told from primary source testimony. Now, for those of you who don't know the difference, primary source is someone who was there, someone who's reporting firsthand accounts of what happened. Secondary sources provide secondhand information and commentary from other researchers. So this book is an example of a secondhand account, right? Some of it's firsthand. The author himself, his family escaped from Cuba in the 1960s during that very small window of opportunity when Castro said, okay, if you want to leave, you can go. His family took it and they left. So some of it is firsthand from the author, but ultimately reading a book like this, for me, this is secondary because I didn't talk to any of these people myself. So this is a secondary point of view. Primary are the people who told the stories, the stories included in here. Now... Guevara's own diaries would also be a primary source. And the author does indeed pull some of his own book from Guevara's diaries, using that to bolster his own assertion of Guevara's monstrosity. And the examples he picks are pretty solid. Recounting this is another one that made me cry. I'm gonna try and get through this one without crying, guys. We'll see if I can do this. He recounts one lovely tale of Guevara blundering through the jungle during and ordering his troop to strangle a puppy. A puppy the truth had a troop had adopted because the puppy was making too much noise. Nice guy, right? He's a he's a real humanitarian. He's a peach as an idol. You guys are worshiping a puppy murderer. Oh wait, you did that already. All right. This recent medical thing that we all went through something about blowflies eating puppies' faces. That was, that was never actually struck down by Facebook's fact-checkers. Uh, we were told missing context, but not that it never happened. So you guys already worship puppy murderers. What the hell am I talking to you for? Oh, I'm not. I'm talking to the people who are looking for a different point of view. And that would not be the mainstream loudmouth screechers. The problem with drinking on an empty stomach? I ramble. Guevara did indeed bring quality women. Equality to be jailed and beaten and shot. Just like all the men who didn't think communism was a good deal for them. And like war criminals everywhere, he used rape as a weapon of war. Truly a solid feminist icon. Well done. He was emphatically racist and homophobic. He relegated blacks to the status of third-class citizen, not even first or second-class, third-class citizen, and gazed to work camps with the inspiring words, Work will make men out of you, described on the Gates entryway. How very Auschwitz of him. He was lauded as a lover of arts and intellectualism, when in reality, as soon as he rolled into Havana, he oversaw a massive book burning and the jailing of librarians. Librarians out there, just saying you might want to be aware. He disliked hipsters, rock and roll, and individual thought. So, all of you hipsters might want to take... You're there on the whole individual thought thing. Don't get me wrong. You guys are lockstep, so you're good there. But your hipster man bun's probably going to have to go. I'm pretty sure he would have hated the man bun. So, hey, I can agree with him on one thing at least. Uh, Murders. He was responsible for the mass murder of thousands. I I don't remember the number, although one was given in the book. I should have made note of it, and I did not. But, I I mean, I want to say at least 20,000. Is that right? I don't know. It it may have been higher. I doubt it was lower. He ultimately had to gag those that he was dragging to the firing squad as to a man. These brave fighters would shout contempt at the firing squad. They would get to the to the lineup and say Viva Cuba Libre, Abajo Comunismo, which means down with communism. Viva Cristo Rey. Right? Long live Jesus Christ. Aim right here. Right? Brave. Ooh, I can't even contemplate the courage that takes. Gotta try and not cry. Those defiant shouts enraged, enraged him, and he ulted up ultimately ended up mandating gagging before taking him to the firing squad. Ah, shit. So, or bleeding. That was the other thing he would do. He would bleed them nearly to death. Uh, um, ultimately, selling the blood to I think it was China literal vampire, those unfortunates would have to be carried to the firing post. So those unfortunates would be carried to the firing post. If a mother would show up at La Cabana to beg for the life of her child, La Cabana was the prison where they were held and executed. Guevara would listen to her beg, smile sweetly at her, and then order the immediate execution of her child, just to hear the mother's anguish screams. Nice guy. Well done. Well done, leftist. God, you know how to pick your idols. Generally speaking, most were thrown into unmarked mass graves. Most people don't even know where their loved ones are buried. But another special form of psychological torture he used was to drop the body on the doorstep of the family and then order them not to grieve. And he would set people to watch and make sure that that order was followed. Kids as young as 14 before a firing squad. Sometimes it's not even that the kids knew what was going on, it's that they objected to having their father or mother taken away to prison. And yes, the story of Barbara Rangel Rojas is told in full, pages 106 to 109, if anybody's really curious, at least in the paperback version. Um, and as a result of watching her grandfather's execution on television, of watching the hero, Colonel Cordelio Rojas, standing boldly in front of those rifles and giving the order himself, isn't that bold... He stood right in front of him and said, Fuego. Barbara's grandmother suffered an immediate fatal heart attack. And her, Barbara's mother, who was at the time six months pregnant, went into immediate labor, delivering Barbara's younger brother right there, next to her own mother's body. Nice, right? Um, Colonel Rojas, like so many others, is buried in an unmarked grave. For a long time, Guevara himself was buried in an unmarked mass grave. It's nice. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. After stumbling around the Bolivian jungle and ordering his men to fight to the last bullet, Guevara himself was caught having never filed, fired a single shot. Full magazine was in his Walter PPK. And after uttering the completely cowardly words, Don't shoot, I'm Shay, I'm worth more to you alive than dead, he was captured. Bold man, brilliant tactician, brave guerrilla fighter. Guevara wanted to be captured alive because he was expecting a show trial. Lots of tearful pleas for his life from celebrities and college students rioting on campus. And sympathetic articles from those oh so useful idiots, the press, especially the New York Times. Man, I gotta tell you, a lot of the books I'm reading these days, the New York Times does not come off well. Just saying, if you have a subscription to them, you might wanna cancel it. I'm not even joking about that. More on that next month. Instead, the Bolivian military put a bullet in his head and dumped him in a grave near an airfield on October 9th, 1967. And that's where he stayed until Castro found it politically expedient to pay millions in bribes to Bolivia for Guevara's bones so that he could erect a shrine to faithful Shea in Havana and charge tourists to see it. And they pay it. Tourists pay to see Shea's gra- grave gravesite brave man. At the 30th anniversary of Shay's death, so this would be 1997, the Intelligentsia decided to throw a bunch of events celebrating his life and revolution. At UCLA, the Latin American Studies Center and Fowler Museum of Cultural History, with learned speakers from all over being invited to speak about Shea's grand contributions to the revolution. You know who was not invited? Anyone who survived his murderous regime. Turns out that's okay. Leftists aren't the only one who gate speaking events. And back in 1997, before free speech was just shut down on campus, some survivors did gate-crash the event and make sure their voices were heard, which is good. Because honestly, until the world recognizes that this equals this equals this, that authoritarianism in all its forms means the government views people as the enemy. We cannot truly claim to be educated. I mean, no wonder homeschooling is on the rise. At least some people are waking up. His book was excellent. The, The rage and outrage that poured from every page strongly reminded me of the Gulag Archipelago. And he points out several times that the people who were imprisoned in Cuba were typically done so for three times as long as Alexander Solzhenitsyn, not... Trying to say that Cuba had it worse. Merely that Solzhenitsyn got voice. Alright. His story had legs. And was accepted widely. But people tend to dismiss. The voices of Cuban Americans. And Cubans. People still celebrate Cuba. And see it as the socialist ideal. My god. A few years ago. A uh, a Facebook friend of mine. I, I have met her in person. But we're not bosom buddies so I'm not going to claim that but she went to Cuba for a dance thing and was swooning and in love with how quaint it all was with the cars from the 1950s and I was thinking my god you really think they haven't imported any new cars in 60 years by choice you think that that was their choice to remain stuck in the 1950s (sighs) my god people are so blind And the sarcasm and the open condemnation of the elites and the intelligentsia who have been peddling Guevara, the dude, as a hero, are very real, and they have rightly earned the disgust of the author, and me, and anybody who has two brain cells to rub together. And if you are one of those idiots who have, up till now, worshipped the path upon which Guevara tread, I highly recommend you expand your horizons and learn a little something new. Maybe ponder for a moment that the press is there to tell you a story, not necessarily the truth. And incidentally, this is not a fake news thing. This has always been true. The press has always had bias. I mean, good Lord, back when the country founded the press, politicians would own newspapers specifically to sell sell themselves to the people. All right, it's always been solid. All right, you've always had to wade through it to find the truth. And if you are unwilling to do so, then you cannot be helped. The press exists to sell papers, and they can push their own political point at the same time. The world can drastically change as a result of willful obfuscation, and it has. There is a reason trust in the media is at an all-time low these days. And that's it for this week. If you liked what you saw, please share my videos. Let me know what you thought. And I will see you guys next week in the next installment of Depressing World History. (laughs)